So I open up to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, because I love that passage as well in uh, Matthew 6. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 1. James chapter 1 and verse 1. We start here. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now that could be literally the twelve tribes or those that are the spiritual twelve tribes, i.e. us. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And I'll just stop there, and just this whole patience aspect, and Caroline's testimony is a big part of patience, you know, uh, just uh, craziness to do with her daughter. It's like, oh no, what do I do? And, uh, and the Lord's saying, look, be patient, and wait, and pray, and wait. Patience is so important it's, um, with our work, walk in the Lord. Um, and to have, let that patience have a perfect work uh, so that uh, then, you know, we're, we are entire and we're not wanting things. We're, um, we're patiently waiting for the Lord to do things for us. Uh, verse 5, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And the title of this talk or group of scriptures is Instability. And uh, we finished up there, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And uh, a double-minded man obviously has uh, two um, uh, focuses, uh, foci, and, uh, uh, and, <laughs> um, and, and that's what it's saying, like uh, we're filled with the spirit, we're still in the flesh. And so a double-minded man uh, is focused fully on the flesh and focused fully on the spirit, and it's just uh, it's not it's not a stable way to be. It causes instability, like uh, waves of the sea driven by the wind and tossed, and uh, and that is um, an unstable thing. Like you, you think of a, a ship on the on the sea being tossed about uh, instead of being uh, having a firm direction. Uh, with their rudder, and uh, and so uh, this whole aspect of instability, uh, God's warning us here that an, a double-minded man is unstable in all, all his ways. So He doesn't want us to be unstable; He wants us to have stability in our life. It's His desire, um, and uh, yes, He's filled us with the Holy Spirit to give us that uh, stability, um, to offset uh, the the pools of the flesh or the pools of the world and that, that wisdom that comes from the ground. So we all lack wisdom. Uh, we want the wisdom that comes from above, not from the ground, from underneath. And, uh, and, uh, and so that uh, is what the Lord wants, is stability. So we'll go to a, I guess some people may think a bit of a, an odd scripture to go to, but we'll go to Daniel chapter 2. Um, 
and we'll read a, a dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And now I must admit that I've probably got, um, I've been thinking about prophecy a bit lately, so, so I was thinking of this one, but and I've kind of read it in, uh, through a different way. So this is the uh, prophecy of the statue, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And, um, but what, what I was thinking about was, um, I don't know whether to explain it. Yeah, I'll explain it first. So most of us know about this statue. It's got a gold head. It's got um, silver shoulder and arms, bronze stomach, um, iron legs, and then the feet are mixed with clay and iron. Now, as you go down... And it's prophecy of the nations and up until, well, um, well, with the, anyway, prophecy of the nations that will come to pass, but the, the metals, as you go down, gradually get uh, less stable. So uh, gold is a very stable metal and then silver is slightly less. Bronze is a mixture, uh, uh, an alloy, but more brittle. Then iron is uh, not as strong and more brittle. And then you get to the feet, which is a combination of clay and iron, which is even less brittle. And so when we read this today, I just want you to think of our walk in the Lord. So... When we uh, receive the Holy Spirit, we speak in tongues, wow, heaven's opened, it's amazing. You know, we're like the gold head. It's like, oh, this is phenomenal. I'm part of the kingdom of God. And then as, we, as time goes on, there's this, this tendency to get more brittle, more instability as we kind of get used to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy <laughs> Spirit. And, uh, and then this whole need to uh, provide here on earth. So we'll read it through from verse 31, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 31. I'll get my uh, words right here with a bit of clarity and stability. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 and uh, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces." Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So um, we understand the prophecy of the nations, and it's, and um, it appears that this... Uh, Kingdom of the Stone is the coming of Jesus Christ, and or um, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. It's the rock, you know, the firm rock. So we've got the the statue that starts with gold and gradually gets more brittle as it goes down, and then it's all all uh, disappears and is replaced by the rock that doesn't move. 
And if we use what I was saying about our life, and uh, we'll read a, a scripture later, our life, uh, as, uh, the idea is to, uh, to look to the Lord and uh, remember what it was like when we first were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and that testimony is so important. And uh, yeah, just I wasn't with Nina, unfortunately, but when, when Caroline gave her testimony, I was reflecting back there. It took me back to experience that. And, it, and whenever you give your testimony, it takes you back to that. And so you think of the, the, the head that's gold and, the, and malleable and uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and the great glory. You know, I, I love how it says there, whose brightness was excellent. Um, and it was a great image, you know. It was just like, wow, the heaven opened up, and and you you go back to that, and uh, and shed that brittleness, you know, um, or the the mixture of uh, earth and iron, or you know, those things that to wear us down, and coming to meetings, you know, outreaching, uh, all that prayer, uh, it's so important to to get us back up to that head of gold, um, and it's interesting. Uh, with this image, you know, it's broken to pieces and the chaff blows away and, and there's this, uh, this rock that's left, which uh, for, for the purpose of this talk is Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, just keep that in mind uh, for when I read another scripture later. But uh, before we get there, go to Daniel chapter 5. And um, we know that uh, Nebuchadnezzar forgot his dream. You know, he had this uh, shocking dream and he forgot it. And, uh, and so Daniel had to uh, tell him what it was and make it clear again. You know, and, uh, and so there, in that is a bit of instability. You forget, you lose sight. And, uh, okay, there was something that happened there, but I can't remember what it was. There's something I need to do, but I don't really know. Okay, and uh, but God wants us to have stability and clarity, and I really like this little verse here, Daniel chapter five and verse sixteen. Um, yeah, we'll read the whole verse, but there's a, a particular bit in the middle that is really quaint. Uh, Daniel chapter five and verse sixteen, and I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck. He'll be given glory, will be given to him, and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom, even though it was the writing on the wall and there was no kingdom after that. But um, the bit in the middle was dissolve doubts. Daniel had a reputation. He'd, uh, he'd been around for quite some time now, and uh, of dissolving doubts, removing instability, explaining things that didn't make sense, okay? Um, and also reading the writing. He knew that Daniel would be able to read this writing. And what's the bit of writing we have? Some pretty powerful writing that uh, should make us shake at the knees and, uh, and have a, a regard for what the Lord wants in our life. And, uh, and we can read it. We've got the Holy Spirit and the Lord wants us to read it. The Lord wants us to put the effort in to read this so that indeed our doubts are dissolved and we have instability taken away. 
And what's beautiful is when we get to that point, we can explain it to others so they can have the Holy Spirit and uh, they can walk on uh, with purpose uh, in the kingdom of God. Over to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. We have here. Then was brought unto him, being Jesus Christ, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? So they were amazed, that, or they were, um, there was great joy. Wow, look at this amazing miracle. And isn't that how we felt? Wow, it's the truth. You know, this great spoil that we have. We're amazed that we know the meaning of life now. There was confusion before, but now it's gone. The doubt has been dissolved. So these people were amazed. And then, I only just realised this when I was putting these scriptures together, they asked, is not this the son of David? So they're like, hey, this is the Messiah. I just thought, oh, yes, yeah, son of David. But then again, it's just this bloke Jesus. Like, how did they know he was descended from David? It's a reference to the Messiah. Saying, oh, isn't this the Messiah, Jesus, the, uh, the Christ, you know, and... And, um, and so there was a little bit of clarity there. This bloke performing miracles is not this the son of David, uh, the promised one. But then we get down to verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Beelzebub just means Lord of the Flies. And, uh, and so then these Pharisees, these earthly people, came in and cast doubt. You know, there was some clarity there. there. There was some joy that, yes, they can see the Messiah, there's healing and miracles that are happening, and then bang, straight away, someone comes in and says, nah, this is just some fellow, uh, the power of the devils, he can do this. Right, and it's confusion, it's instability, it's a, a destabilizing thing to say. And that happens in our walk too. It makes us wobble about. But then straight away, because Jesus is there at this point, right? Now, today, we don't have Jesus standing next to us, but we have the Word. And so that's when uh, there's instability, or we're confused, or wondering, we go back to the Word. Okay, go back and find out what Jesus said. So we'll see what Jesus said here in verse 25. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? See, logic God is making, Jesus is making it clear. It's like, don't be silly. You know, like, of course, um, you know, why would Satan cast out Satan? It doesn't make sense. And that's what the word does. It's like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, of course, that's what the word says. Huh, makes sense. We've got the spirit in us. And it goes on. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? 
Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Remember that, the kingdom of God. And let there be joy and be amazed. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he, sh- he will spoil his house? So it's wonderful clarity. It's a relief that uh, load off the shoulders. You know, uh, the doubts have been dissolved. And I like that, the reason I chose this passage, it's a nice little process that happened there when we can think of our own walk and things that come up and, uh, and just that initial infilling of the Holy Spirit and then the doubts that come, the word brings us back, clarity, knocks us into line and, uh, and it's just a relief that we know. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 and verse 18. This here is um, the sower and the seed. Matthew chapter 13. This is the interpretation of it. Verse 18. And it's such a good parable, this one, because it explains a lot. It explains a lot about our walk. It explains a lot about what we observe in others that are baptised or the ones we witness to. So uh, Matthew 13 and verse 18. Hear ye, therefore, the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And uh, so well explained there, it just makes sense. And, uh, and particularly the, the weed aspect, that, uh, that takes time. Like the, the seed's planted uh, in good ground, the, the plant grows, and then there's competition for goodness. There's weeds that grow up. And, uh, and it doesn't just happen like that. All of a sudden, oh, there's a weed. It's slow. It's a slow thing that can drag, drag us down. You know, as we move down the uh, the statue from the gold down to the uh, the, the clay and uh, down to the feet, the clay and the iron. It's a slow thing that can uh, weaken, and um, we've all seen it, haven't we? We've all seen it. We've we've seen people and their walk, and we just we can see the weeds. The weeds are there, and we just want to get in there and pull them out, don't we? Because <laughs> our zeal, we want to see them survive. But the Lord said, "No, leave them there, lest you pull them out also." So uh, pray, pray, and all. But also, we look at ourselves, you know, and uh, these weeds that come up, that competition, that double-mindedness, you know, giving nutrients to the weeds or to bearing fruit, you know, all these things, and uh, and so it's part of our walk to acknowledge and. 
I can look back in my walk as well. There's been times when the weeds have gone quite a bit higher than me and uh, it takes effort. It takes effort to remove those weeds and clean it out, you know. Um, but it's worth it. It's worth the effort. It really is. Here we go, back to chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, verse 24. You know, just a wonderful passage here. And we're thinking about, you know, uh, the double-mindedness, the, um, the weeds and the, the fruit, and um, also the, the iron and the clay, that weakness of mixing. Um, and then we read in verse 24, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Same aspect. Same theme. No man can serve two masters. No man uh, can survive if they're double-minded. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It leads to instability. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much more, much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's plenty of stuff in tomorrow to deal with then. <laughs> Just deal with what you have got here. And so... There's that warning in verse 24, don't serve two masters, you know, and if you are single-minded and serving the Lord, serving God, as it says in verse 24, then the next verses go where the Lord will take control, take care of all those things. And, uh, and so it's not that um, we feel like we're, we're missing out by not uh, being... Uh, you know, uh, being double-minded, like um, you, you're not, not being missed out. If you... Sorry, my mind's all over the shop. So it's, it's what the Lord's saying is if you're single-minded on him, he will deal with the things that you're double-minded about. Um, and so it, it should be a relief. It's like, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about that so much. Yeah, fair enough, I've got to do stuff. I'm still going to get up in the morning and uh, go to work and whatever, pay bills and so forth. But the Lord uh, takes the concern, takes the worry, and he'll deal with that. And, uh, and so we, we don't need to serve both. 
We don't need to be double-minded. We don't need to waste nutrients on weeds. Uh, that's the encouragement here. Um, and, uh, and we all do it. I mean, I, I get caught up doing it too, and, um, and I, it's sometimes pointed out to me as well. It's, okay, yes, back on track. Okay, the Lord will deal with that. Um, he's obligated to do that. Uh, Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. Um, 119. So in this little snippet that I'm going to read, I could have read either side of it because there were, were quite a way either side of it. Because um, this here, this passage here is uh, King David just writing about God's word and uh, how wonderful it is. Um, so Psalm 119 and verse 103 says here, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth, or sweeter than honey in the rock maybe. 104. Through thy precepts, that's the word, I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, there we go, the testimony, and a light unto my path. I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments, or thy, uh, thy word. I am afflicted very much, quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Quicken, I uh, make alive, you know, refreshed. Uh, give me joy. Um, 108. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth. O Lord, and teach me thy judgments, or teach me your word. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law, or thy word. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statues, statutes always, or his word always, even unto the end. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers. For I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. And like I said, I could have gone either side. There's a lot of single verses here that... <clears throat> wrap up in an appreciation for his the word of God. And, of course, the highlight, uh, which is why I uh, honed in on this particular area, is thy word is a lamp <coughs> to my feet. You know, in a dark place, I can see now. I can see where I'm meant to be going. I've got clarity of direction. I'm not fumbling about. You know, I, I'm stable. Uh, I, I can see it now. With the help of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, his word is a lamp to our feet. And, uh, and if you think there's instability, go to the word. Read the word and, uh, and get clarity. This is the rock that will not move. It'll stay put. You'll get uh, clarity on uh, what frame of mind you need 
what you need to do or not do. You get clarity uh, and comfort and patience in knowing that you don't have to do anything if that's the case. You wait. You wait for the Lord. Um, and, uh, and it's just wonderful uh, that the Lord does all that for us. He knows we need it and he does it all for us. First Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion, Forever and ever. Amen. Okay? So uh, when we speak, when we give our testimony, we give glory to God. We speak the oracles of God. We, we, uh, when we, we speak about what God's done in our life, he gets the glory. See, uh, that God in all things may be glorified. And uh, what, a, what a focal point that is. When we lift our head and we look up, you know, our redemption draweth nigh, and we focus on that. You know, um, that is a source of stability. You know, uh, that confusion that we might have, we're on our knees praying, praying to the Lord. It's like, hey, at least I know the truth. At least I know God's there. At least I know I can speak in tongues, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and then uh, referring and reading back to the oracles of God. The oracle is, is that, uh, that source of wisdom and guidance. That's what an oracle is. And uh, we, we speak Act, try to meditate on the oracles of God. That's a source of wonderful stability. Uh, another single verse back in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I'm taking this one out of context, but um, it's, uh, it fits in well with the talk. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And uh, I remember a few times in the past being confused, and, uh, and this is one that I used to think of, is like, okay, I'm confused. Well, that's confusion is not coming from God, is it? And just in that is clarity. This confusion that I have is coming from somewhere else. It's not from God because it says here quite plainly uh, with clarity, uh, it's a stable statement, cannot be changed, for God is not the author of confusion. So if there's instability, confusion, you know it's not from God, it's from somewhere else. But if you have peace, you know that comes from God. Peace that passes all understanding comes from God. And what a relief. I love that. Uh, God is the God of peace. And I've said that quite a few times lately because it's something we all want is peace. Even if there's a mess around us, if we have internal peace, it's just fantastic. And that's what God wants. Matthew chapter 21, penultimate scripture. Matthew chapter 21. It's the penultimate scripture. (laughs) Matthew 21. And verse 42. 
Matthew 21 and verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And here's the, uh, the, the, the main part of it. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that this, he spake of them. So referring back to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and there was that rock, you know, that rock that fell and, uh, and the whole statue became powder and was blown away and it was no longer. You know, and uh, verse 44, it says, uh, it's referring to Jesus Christ as that stone that the builders rejected is now the head of the corner holding up our whole life uh, where we look to. Um, and it says that if that rock falls on someone, their life will be ground to powder, it will just evaporate. You know, no matter how much, what experiences you had at that first time, that head of gold, this amazing image, you know, but then if we, if we are continually weakened over time, weeds growing up, double-minded, serving God and mammon, these things over time, Jesus Christ will figuratively fall on that person and they'll disappear. You know, like they will not be a part of the kingdom of God and raised up to, to dwell with him forever. Um, but what's interesting, the first half of this verse, whosoever shall fall on the stone, okay? So we've got this aspect that I've just said, if the stone falls on the person, it disappears. But if we fall on the stone, you know, there's Jesus Christ, he's the rock, he's immovable, and if we just pummel our whole life onto him, if we just jump on, stand on the rock, yearn for the stability um, will be broken, our life will be broken, but he can rebuild it. And that happens often in our walk in the Lord, is uh, we realise there's instability going, I need a refocus. It seems to happen uh, a lot. It does happen a lot in our walk. It's, 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 it's part of overcoming. And then we fall back down, humble ourselves, contrite before the Lord, that he can then build us back up on that rock. You know, in the image that he wants, you know, a glorious image, and uh, and so this aspect um, uh, it was actually Ali that uh, has spoken quite a bit about this, and uh, um, she had an understanding uh, well before I, uh, I I could grasp it, the significance of it, and so it's an important thing. We want to uh, to be part of the kingdom of God. We want our life built on that rock, and so let us not be ashamed of being broken, uh, broken for the Lord. Have that mammon distributed, the weeds pulled out, you know, our life changed so that he can rebuild it back up. So that then we won't be the flip side where that stone will fall on us and, uh, and, our life, and it just disappears and it's a tragedy. So this is a good thing, you know. Uh, we do not reject the stone. We go back to the stone. 
And uh, we even sometimes in desperation go back and hug the stone. <laughs> Lord, help me. You know, what's your word say? Grab hold of it <laughs> and uh, rebuild. Uh, but it starts with that humility and that, uh, that contrite spirit and that desire to get back on there and walking and following the Lord. Finish up Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. And it says here, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Okay? Don't stop being confident in the word. Remember, the word's got the answer. You've got saints you can ring as well for encouragement. If you can't think of uh, scriptures to go to, be encouraged. You can ring me uh, or whatever. But never lose confidence in the word. It's there. This has lasted. I mean, uh, it's just amazing. I mean, just the New Testament written nearly 2,000 years ago. It's still there. Uh, then you go back to the Old Testament. Moses. Moses wrote uh, the first few... Uh, books um, about something like four and a half thousand years ago. So it's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time that this has lasted. Uh, it's a stable thing. It's constant in our lives if we keep it in our lives. And so don't lose confidence in it. It has the answers. It has the guidance and there's clarity there because God wants us to have peace and stability. Okay, thank you.